Should Christians vote? And if so, what should be their guidelines for voting? Should Christians move beyond voting to full-scale participation in politics, even running for office? Should Christians get involved in social issues like abortion, same-sex marriage, and gambling? Or should Christians focus entirely on sharing the Gospel? For some insightful responses to these questions, stay tuned for an interview with a Christian member of the Kentucky State Legislature. Lamb and Lion Ministries presents Christ in Prophecy, a program that focuses on the fundamentals of Bible prophecy, showing how current events in the news relate to biblical predictions of end time events and the soon return of Jesus. Now, here's your host, Dr. David Reagan. Greetings in the name of Jesus, our blessed hope, and welcome to Christ in Prophecy. My colleague Nathan Jones and I have a very special guest with us today. He is Tim Moore, who is a part-time member of our staff. Welcome to the program, Tim. Glad Thank to have you very you. much, Dave. Glad to be here. Tim is a colonel in the U.S. Air Force Reserve, and he is also a commercial pilot and a member of the House of Representatives of the Kentucky Legislature. And in his spare time, he serves as an assistant evangelist for our ministry, going out on weekends to speak about Bible prophecy at churches and conferences. Tim, tell us briefly about your background. Well, Dave, I was born in Kentucky, uh, lived in the Midwest throughout my childhood years, came back to Kentucky for high school, and at age 17 I entered the Air Force. Uh, I became a pilot. As a matter of fact, I was an instructor pilot for a number of years. So you didn't go to college? Well, I did go to college. I went to the Air Force Academy and but spent that was four later years on? there. No, sir, at age 17. So oh. I went straight into the Air Force Academy, four years of what is a military college, and then I went off to pilot training, became an instructor pilot, and spent ten and a half years on active duty and decided to come home to Kentucky to continue serving in the Kentucky Air National Guard and eventually hired on with, uh, with a commercial carrier and then continued uh, serving as a pilot in the military. To this day I serve in the reserve and in 2006, as you indicated, I ran for state representative and have been serving in the legislature since 2007. So how many terms is that? Well, I'm in my fifth term right now, and uh, that's, that's enough. But so you don't believe in term limits? I, I do actually believe in term <laughs> limits, but I think it should be universally applied. There you so, go. Yes, sir. Well, uh, you said you were in active duty. Where? I was active duty first at Columbus Air Force Base in Mississippi, and then at Grissom Air Force Base in Indiana, and then at Little Rock Air Force Base in Arkansas. So you never got into combat or went overseas or anything like During that? During my time on active duty, I did go overseas uh, with the military, just flying a C-130, and my combat experience came later during my time with the Kentucky So Air you National were in Guard. logistics, flying supplies over? Flying supplies all over the world, uh, bullets, means, and, and personnel. Yes, sir. Okay. Well, Nathan? Fascinating. Well, good to have you on. Thank you very much, Nathan. Glad to be here. Now, I would like to know, how did you get involved with Lamb and Lion Ministries? Where did you hear about us? Well, while I was up in Indiana, Dave came to speak at a little church. Uh, I say little church, out in the middle of the country. It was actually a large church. Okay. And my wife and I thought, well, this might be an interesting uh, experience to go for the Sunday evening. And we'll kind of play it by ear on whether or not we would go back every night. Well, after hearing Dave on a Sunday evening... We determined we would be back every opportunity that he was there during that conference and had such a tremendous exposure to the good message and the good news that Christ is coming soon 
that we became lifelong uh, supporters of Lamb and Lion, became proxy partners. In fact, that was back in the early 80s, wasn't it? That was actually in the early 90s, no, sir, because it 90s? was about when my daughter was born up in Indiana. Yes, okay. Sir. okay. And I, re, uh, you know, Nathan, you may not know this, but uh, one time when I was up there in Kentucky speaking, and I went up there very, fairly re frequently in those days. Mm -hmm. uh, I went over to his parents' house, as I remember, yes. in Nicholasville, Kentucky. Yes, sir. And we had the whole clan there, and we were eating lunch and having a great time. And suddenly he turned to me and said, you know what you need to do? You need to uh, start having conferences for your prophecy partners. And I said, well, that's a great idea. And so when I got back, I discussed it with the staff. And as a result of his suggestion, we started having prophecy conferences. Well, and they were small. I mean, they were, they were held here at our headquarters. And we could only seat about 50 people at that time. Yes, sir. And so we held a whole series of them based on your suggestion. Well, I have to give a shout out to my brother because he and I came up with the idea together. Uh, my brother, Chris, who is also a prophecy partner and very committed to uh, the message of the Lord coming soon. So we've been very glad that that idea has sprouted into what what today is a very large conference yes, every year. Yes, it's grown to where we have an 800 and 900 now. Yes, but. sir. Lord and, uh, is really blessed. Uh, now, you have been going out for what, for about a year? About a year and a half. I've been going and speaking at various churches around the country and uh, trying to get out the message that Christ is coming soon and encourage people, motivate them not only to be looking for His soon return, but to be living Expectantly. And you've been doing another thing for us too. You've been taking groups to Israel. Yes, sir. I've done I think a, you like that, don't you? I very much <laughs> like it. Yes, sir. I feel very at home in Israel. I live in promised land east here in the United States, that being Kentucky, but to take folks to the real promised land is a true joy. Well, that reminds me of a, of a pastor in Kentucky who wrote me one time and said, when is the next time you're going to be in the Holy Land? And I wrote him this long letter back, two pages, telling you all the information about our next trip to Israel, what the price of the trip was, how we'd love to have him along. He called me a few days later, just like you could hear him laughing all the way from Kentucky. He said, David, when I ask you when's the next time you're going to be in the Holy Land, I meant when was the next time you're going to be in Kentucky? In Kentucky, of course. <laughs> well, Lamb and Lion has had a tremendous uh, ministry in Kentucky. And Dave, yeah. you've come so many times that you have a number of yeah. folks who uh, are plugged into this ministry and supportive, and it's been a great blessing over the years. Well, it sure has. I, I tell you, I love Kentucky, not yes, only sir. because it's so beautiful, but because we have so many really enthusiastic supporters there, people who are really living with an eternal perspective and looking for the Lord to come back in well, anymore. Praise the Lord. That is broken. so true. Welcome back to our discussion with Tim Marr, our new assistant evangelist, as we grill him about issues related to the involvement of Christians in politics. Yes, we're going to grill him. Out grill him, yeah. yeah. I'm He's ready. on hot ah. seat, so we're, we're <laughs> going to really let him have it. That's now, why it's Tim, red. Uh, many Christians believe, and I've even known major Christian leaders who believe this, who believe that it is really uh, improper for Christians to get involved in politics. Politics is a dirty business. Politics is for pagans. And the most that any Christian should ever do in terms of political involvement is vote. Well, so they would consider you, I guess, a pagan yeah. since you're a member of the Kentucky State Legislature. Well, sometimes you wonder about uh, some of the goings-on in any legislative body. Yes, sir, I understand that. But, no, I actually believe that Christians have a responsibility to be salt and light in every sphere of human endeavor, uh, whether it be the business community, uh, academia, even the church, 
And obviously, politics is another realm that has great influence on a number of folks and makes major decisions for our society. So it is a critical area where Christians should be salt and light. Well, you mentioned that salt and light. That's right out of the words of Jesus. I yes, mean, sir. Uh, uh, he, he said, we are to be salt and we are to be light. We are to stand for righteousness. And brother, Amen. listen to me tell you, if we don't do it, nobody's going to. Well, sometimes I think Christians today are very frustrated in the direction our society and our culture is going. But if we are not willing to engage in the mechanisms of influencing that culture, and I'll use another example, the media. Sometimes we have media productions that are very paganistic, but yet we need more Christians to be engaged in that endeavor so that we have positive uh, light shining forth in that arena as well. No different in politics. Well, you know, this uh, last year we have a Bible conference each year, and, and this uh Last year, one of our speakers was Tim Wildman from yes. the American Family Association. He made a comment in that presentation that really stuck in my mind. He said, you know, I don't understand Christians who say that uh, we should vote, but we, uh, we should obey the law. That Christians should obey the law, but we should leave the law making to pagans. No, I, I absolutely reject that. As a matter of fact, you know, all you have to do is go back to our own founding documents. And people say, well, we should obey the law and obey the governing authorities. And Jesus himself, uh, through Paul's writing, makes it very clear in Romans 13 that we should be in subject to governing authorities. But our own constitution, the first three words are, we the people. So our founders established our government based on the authority given to them, and the government continues today based on the authority given to it by we the people. So as part of this nation and part of the citizenry, Christians have a responsibility to influence because we have the perspective of truth. Well, I know one thing from my study of the Scriptures, and I've written about this, is that whenever a person gets involved in politics in the sense of becoming a member of a city council, a state legislature, a school board, any kind of political position, Satan moves them up on his hit list. Oh, I, I believe that. And he goes after them because he is determined to, uh, to control all governing bodies. And so he comes after them with bribes, with corruption, with, with all kinds of special temptations. And that's one of the reasons I believe we're told that we are to pray for those who are in positions of power. Amen. The same way that we should be praying for those who are in positions of responsibility in the in the spiritual realm, right. purely, whether they're ministers or youth ministers, other folks who have great responsibility, we should be uplifting them in prayer because they also rise on Satan's hit list, I'm convinced. Well, then as Christians, what should guide us into voting? Because every season, we election, we get a inundated with emails of people. They don't want to know how to vote, but they want to know whether they should vote or not, as if their God-given right or constitutional right, I should say, to vote isn't really there as a Christian. But even more important to me is the ones who call in and say, well, who should I vote for? It's like they don't have a clue. Well, there is a responsibility that we as Christians have to be informed, and not only mm -hmm. about the matters before us in an election time frame, but ongoingly about what's happening in our culture and how we can impact it. So we first and foremost should be informed about biblical truths and then we should apply those, not only in our lives, but in every other sphere of influence where we have impact. So I very much agree. I think you had a guest here just a few days ago, uh, Mr. Rafael Cruz, who said that there is guidance in Scripture on how we should look for who to vote for and who should get our vote and what kind of things we should use to consider how to vote. And that's found in Exodus chapter 19, verse 21, where it says uh, that Jethro... Uh, 
Moses' father-in-law came and said, you should appoint people over the, uh, the folks to help you govern, and they should be men who will, first of all, fear God, right. mm-hmm. second of all, should know truth, and third of all, should never pursue dishonest gain. And so the first key point when we are determining who to vote for is someone who fears God. Yes. Someone who respects the ultimate authority, not being the uh, the vote themselves or even some kind of man-made law, but they know that they are eternally accountable to God Almighty. And secondly, they should be absolutely committed to pursuing truth. You know, Jesus himself, when he stood before Pilate, and Pilate asked him, Who are you and, and for what reason are you here? And Jesus said, I came into the world that I might testify to truth. And obviously Pilate was, was facing and speaking with him who represents truth, who is all truth. Uh-huh. But Pilate scoffed and said, what is truth? And too many today don't believe in the ultimate truth as revealed in Scripture. And so we need to make sure that as we consider who to vote for and what issues to support, that we are pursuing God's truth. I'll give you an example uh, from some of the things happening today. Anyone who doesn't understand that the destruction of innocent unborn children is ungodly, unholy, unrighteous, and evil is not conversant with truth. God abhors the murder of innocent millions in our nation. Anybody who doesn't understand that, that marriage was a covenant relationship created by God that we should defend and support in terms of a union between and one, one of man and the foundations of society. Amen. If they do not understand that, then they are not conversant with the truth as revealed in Scripture. And so many of our prophecy partners and viewers will be uh, aware of something called the Manhattan Declaration, which was a three-pronged conviction to where anyone who signed on as a Christian, as a believer, said we would uphold the dignity of human life, the sanctity of marriage as a relationship between one man and one woman, and the right of religious liberty in this nation. Those are three truths that come straight out of the pages of Scripture and can be a clear and easy guide for us as we determine who to vote for. Yet Christians tore the Manhattan Declaration apart as an ecumenical movement. Or when you have two candidates running and neither of them are Christians, how do Christians vote? Because I think when elections like that happen, Christians step back and say, well, neither of them are Christian. I can't vote for them. And then usually the the more greater of two evils ends up getting elected. How do they vote then? Okay, well, first of all, I would hope that Christians Mm. would be motivated in a circumstance like that to say, all right, we didn't have a good choice in this particular election. Next time, I'm going to become engaged either to support someone who would bring forth the right kind of values Mm -hmm. and would represent the right truth, or if the Lord leads, I hope that more Christians would be inspired to step into that realm to serve, not because they have a a desire, again, to pursue the dishonest Mm -hmm. gain that sometimes comes with corruption, but because they are convicted that if there is no one else, here am I, Lord, send me if necessary to serve as you would see fit. And a number of folks that have stepped into this realm will say that exact thing. I was not inspired because I wanted to do this, but I felt convicted that the Lord had called me to impact even in the political realm. That's great. You don't like the candidate? Run yourself. Run next <laughs> Yes, sir. Yeah. Or pray, de- de- you know, for God here, to here. provide one. Uh, you know, th- I think this this issue is so important because um, it's. I think it's one of the reasons our nation is in the condition it's in today. Yes, sir. Uh, uh, people who have the kind of attitude, and I've seen this everywhere, well, I'm going to vote for this candidate because of his skin color. 
I'm going to vote for this candidate because of his skin color. I'm going to vote for this candidate because I'm a union member. And, 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 and the or union, because of a party affiliation. I'm going to, or a gender. I'm going to vote straight Democrat or straight Republican. Or, it just goes on and on and on. I know of a church here in the Dallas area where the pastor got up in this last presidential election, and he didn't say vote for this man or that. He said vote according to God's word. How do they stand on abortion? How do they stand on gambling? How do they stand on uh, uh, same-sex marriage? How do they stand on Israel? Here, here. And as everybody was going out, this was a huge church. One of the leaders of the church, one of the deacons, stood in the in the uh, uh, hallway there and said in a loud voice, "Well, I'll tell you what. I don't care what the pastor says. I'm going to vote the way my union boss tells oh, me to vote." Heaven forbid. That's no. the way. That's why we're in the condition we're in. Yes, sir. No, we should uh, we should be guided by the Holy Spirit, and it's easy to say that. But it's difficult to really hear the Holy Spirit unless you are grounded in the Word of God. And so God has given clear direction. I just read from Exodus, or or cited, I paraphrased, from Exodus, what God said through Jethro, very wise counsel for the kind of people who would be able to lead and rule over the people of Israel. Well, the same principles apply today. Folks who are committed, first of all, to fearing God to honoring the truth as revealed in Scripture, and then not pursuing dishonest gain. And those three qualifications alone would rule out a number of folks who seek public office in our land today. What about Christians getting involved in social issues or moral issues, like demonstrating in front of an abortion clinic or doing something of that nature? Well, if Christians aren't involved, who will be? And how will these issues ever be advocated in a truthful and godly manner? And so there's a right way to go about advocating, or as you say, demonstrating. Obviously, our first inclination should be to pray. Pray not only for the victims, for instance, of abortion, but for even the perpetrators of that heinous crime and, and the murder of yes. these And I would children. add to that to pray that the Lord would show me what I should do about that issue. For example, take abortion. The Lord might call you to stand out in front of an abortion clinic and uh, demonstrate. He may call you to be a sidewalk counselor here, for here. young women yes. who are trying to decide. He may call you to write letters to the editor. He may call you to write letters to the state representatives or go visit them. He may, uh, he may motivate you to adopt children. Yes. Or what, there's so many different ways. We're called in different ways. Well, and mm-hmm. the beautiful thing, even on that issue, when I first ran, I have been very avidly pro-life all of my life. But uh, I came to realize that in addition to advocating for the changing of laws and policies in this nation, we also do need to recognize, as I just mentioned, that some who are involved in that industry, and have no doubt it is an industry that makes Billions. huge amounts of money, Some of them are caught up in the lie that has been perpetrated by our culture. And so we need to pray for them. And thirdly, there are a number of young folks, both men and women, who have chosen very poorly to have an abortion and regret it for the rest of their life. They are victims in another sense. And we need to share the very good news that Jesus Christ forgives, restores, and heals. And so I'm so grateful that in Kentucky we have wonderful organizations like Silent No More that get the word out that there is healing and restoration possible through the gospel of Jesus Christ. And all done in love. All all done yes, in sir, in love always. Now, Don't you sometimes just get to the point where you're so frustrated, though, trying to get things done through the political system? Well, yes, but again, I serve not to a particular end in the political system. I serve the Lord. And so The ultimate goal is not to achieve an end, even though we fight very hard to do so, 
but to bring glory and honor to Christ. And so the result, really, we leave up to, to the Lord, but the advocacy and the hard work goes in because that's what we're called to do. Well, I know that you do get frustrated at times because I remember one time you called me and told me about the situation where you had a group of people there who were against abortion and had run on anti-abortion platforms, and a crucial vote was coming up, and one of those guys voted the other way. And when you asked him why, he said, well, the governor called him in and said that if he would vote with the governor, the governor would give him an office with a window. People sell out for things that you would be shocked at. And, yes, that is very disappointing to have folks who would claim during an election cycle that they are pro-life or pro-traditional Christian values or anything else and get to the Capitol or get in another avenue of, uh, of endeavor and fail to live up to that. It happens in, in my capital all the time. Folks who claim that they're pro-life every campaign fail on that issue time and time again. But, again, we go back to the three qualifications. Perhaps they don't have a, a healthy enough fear of God and what the eternal ramifications of that hypocrisy really is. So I pray for them as well. well Tim, you, go on, I'm oh, I'm sorry. Go ahead. What do you consider to be some of the most disturbing trends in America today? Well, I think many of us as Christians see the direction our society is moving, and we see that we are are leaving our Christian heritage and embracing time and again uh, what I would call paganism. And that bothers us to the core, and and it should. And yet, that's not probably what disturbs me the most, because Scripture is very clear that as the end times draw near, the world will turn away from godly principles, and it will abandon the, the things that have made us great even as a nation. And so the world is going to become more and more ungodly mm-hmm. approaching the time of Christ's return. So this is no surprise to us as we understand Bible prophecy. What is disappointing, and you said frustrating, is that more and more Christians are either apathetic are unwilling to be engaged. You said already, a lot say, oh, that's politics. I've heard people say, well, you can't expect any more out of politicians. They all lie, so I just I don't even consider it a, a, a foul in that regard. We should never give in to the lie that there is a realm that we should accept anything but honesty and truthfulness. Nor should we remove ourselves from the arena. If we're not willing to be salt and light, how can we possibly be surprised when our culture, our laws, our national system of governance moves in such a tremendously wrong direction? It is because Christians are not engaged, and we are called to be engaged. I very much agree with Abraham Kupier, who was, and I say it wrong, it's Kuiper actually, but he was a prime minister in Europe, also a very committed Christian. And he said, there is not one square inch in the whole domain of our human existence over which Christ, who is sovereign over all, does not declare mine. In other words, Mm. we have to be the Mm. salt and light, but also make sure that we represent the king of kings. You know, many people think politics has no business in the Christian faith. And yet, over and over again, in the Holy Word of God, He sent prophets to who? To the kings. He interpreted dreams of kings that dealt with kingdoms and with the nature of international politics. And so the same God who cares enough about each of us to count the hairs on our head (laughs) also has in his sway the fate of nations. So he very much cares about national policies and where nations are headed because over and over again, he reached out and, and sent prophets to correct them in the past, 
I believe he is still doing so today. back to our conversation with Tim Moore, our new assistant evangelist. For those of you who may have tuned in late, Tim is a colonel in the U.S. Air Force Reserve. He is a commercial pilot and he is a member of the Kentucky Legislature and he represents our ministry when he goes out on weekends to preach and teach about Bible prophecy to churches and conferences. Tim, you and I share the same passion for Bible prophecy. Yes. Maybe you can explain to our folks here how we know we're living in the season of the Lord's return. Well, I think the signs are multiplying all around us uh, constantly. And one of the signs relative to the realm of politics is, as we witness our own nation turning away from Israel. I'll use that as the prime example. Oh, that's huge. And who would have dreamed just a few okay. years ago that we would abandon Israel? But that's exactly what the current administration is doing. And it breaks our heart, and yet it is fulfillment of Bible prophecy. Because Scripture says, in the end times, all nations will turn against Israel. So I think that whether you look at the signs in our own culture, the signs globally, or the signs of all the nations, including ours, turning against Israel, it absolutely proves that we are living in the season of the Lord's return. Well, you know, uh, I wrote a book uh, a few years ago, not very long ago, entitled Living on Borrowed Time. Yes. Uh -huh. And it was really about the signs of the times. And uh, I sent out a questionnaire to 22 different Bible prophecy experts, including Nathan Jones. And I asked them to tell me, what do you think is the most significant sign that we're living in the season of the Lord's return? I expected them all to say Israel, but uh, they identified that as the single most, single most important sign, uh, individual sign. But they said overall, the greatest sign was could be summed up in one word, convergence. Mm -hmm. And our friend who's been on this program many times, Ron Rhodes, really emphasizes mm -hmm, that right. in his right. Now, Nathan, what do, what do you mean by convergence? All the different signs, an increase in lawlessness, increase in natural disasters, the world coming against Israel, so many different signs that they're all happening in greater frequency and intensity the closer we get to the Lord's return. So not just a few signs, but all the signs coming together. Yes. Yeah, well, in the past, often people have said, well, we're living in the season of the Lord's return, but you didn't see all the signs. Uh, mm -hmm. There was one or two or three or four or something like that, but we see them all converging right now. And certainly the, the one, ones relating to Israel are the most important. They're back in the land. They've been regathered from all over the world. They're back in the city of Jerusalem. Yes. Um, and the whole world's coming against them, just as Zechariah said. In the end. And, and, you know, I, I would preach that and people would say, well, that, uh, that certainly will never include the United States of America. No, it does include the United States of America today, tragically. And that's the perception of folks in Israel, I can assure you, having gone there just this last year. They're very glad for us to come, but they realize that our nation has begun to abandon them in the policies being uh, foisted by our current administration. And a lot of people regarding law say, well, there ought to be a law. But until the chief lawgiver comes to restore true justice, yes, we do have to advocate but we have to have his law written on our hearts as believers. Well, Tim, thanks for being with us today. Folks, Tim is available to uh, be with you. He can come to your church and speak, come to conferences and speak, and you can contact him through our ministry. And that's our program for today. I hope it's been a blessing to you, and I hope you'll be back with us next week, the Lord willing. Until then, this is Dave Reagan speaking for Lamb and Lion Ministries saying, Look up, be watchful, for our redemption is drawing near. 
Dr. Reagan's newest book is Living for Christ in the End Times. Originally published in the year 2000, this second edition brings the book up to date regarding the rapid decay of our society and the increasing apostasy in the church. He presents many ways to respond to and cope with both the collapse of society and spiritual deception. Some of the chapters are The Collapse of Society, The Apostasy in the Church, Standing on the Word of God, Believing in the Power of God, and much more. This very relevant book can be yours for a donation of $20 or more, including the cost of shipping. And for a limited time, we will include a copy of Dr. Reagan's Prophetic Manifesto. Just ask for offer number 706. Again, you can get a copy of Dr. Reagan's book, Living for Christ in the End Times. And for a limited time, we will include a copy of Dr. Reagan's Prophetic Manifesto. Just ask for offer number 706. For a donation of $20 or more, just call the number you see on the screen or place your order through our website at lamblion.com. Christ in Prophecy is made possible through the faithful and generous support of viewers like you. Please consider making a donation to Lamb and Lion Ministries so that we can continue broadcasting the message of Jesus' soon return. Thank you and God bless you. Thank you for joining us on today's Christ in Prophecy, a presentation of Lamb and Lion Ministries, a non-denominational ministry dedicated to teaching the fundamentals of biblical prophecy and proclaiming the soon return of Jesus.